Let us be attentive. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but it is not enlightened. For being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law, that everyone who has faith may be justified. Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on the law shall live by it. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down? Or who will descend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Because if we confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For man believes with his heart and so is justified, and he confesses with his lips, so he is saved. Peace be with you, the reader. According to St. Matthew, let us be attentive. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you. At that time when Jesus came to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, two demoniacs met him coming out of the tomb, so fierce that no one would pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many swine was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the swine. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and perished in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city they told everything and what had happened to the demoniacs. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave their neighborhood. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning I'd like for all of us to walk away with two things. The first is the need to recognize Christ in everything. And the second one is the need to acquire peace within our souls. This morning's gospel, I also want to tie in just a little bit to the previous verses, uh, which we didn't read, obviously, but I'll, uh, I'll share those with you in a moment. It's interesting that our Lord, after he had gotten out of this boat and he was walking, he came into this, uh, or close to this village, and the first ones to greet him were two demoniacs, fierce men who lived in a tomb, so fierce that people wouldn't even go near the tomb just because they were afraid of their lives. And so we have Christ moving along, and we have his disciples, but when the demoniacs speak, they don't say anything about the apostles. They say, uh, what do you have to do with us? Not, what do all of you and them, you Christ and the disciples have to do with us, but what do you have to do with us? And we can assume that the apostles, seeing the ferocity of these men, were, were deathly afraid and didn't want to get close to them. And perhaps even Christ had them waiting off in the distance a little bit as he moved on and he met and had an encounter with these two men. Now, if you look back just a, just a couple verses before this particular passage that we read, you'll notice that this was the incident where Christ was in the boat with the disciples and he fell asleep. And a great storm rose up in the sea. And so the wind was whipping and the waves were crashing up against the boat. And Christ was sound asleep. But the disciples became very fearful of what was happening. And so they woke him up and said, Master, we're about to perish. And so our Lord, in, in, which is just with one command, he calms the sea and he calms the wind. And what was the response of the disciples? What manner of man is this? What manner of man, what kind of man is this? That even the sea and the wind obey him. They ask the question. They don't have an answer yet. And so when you look at Christ getting out of the boat and walking on land, and now he's moving towards this village, and he encounters these two demoniacs, what do they say? What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Not what have you to do with us, O man of many wonders? Or, O man who can calm the sea, we're not sure about you. They say, O Son of God. They know exactly who he is. It's ironic. The disciples had already been with him a short period of time. They've witnessed miracles. They've seen fantastic things that their eyes have never beheld. And yet they ask the question, when this man calms the wind and the sea, what kind of man is this? The demoniacs then say, have you come to torment us before the time? Not have you come before a time, but the time. Meaning that there is a time that is appointed. A time when the tares and the wheat will be separated forever. But until that time, the demoniacs are, 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 are in question here. Whether or not he has come early, or maybe he's just stepping outside of his own promising bounds and he's going to torment them before the time is going to come. But be assured the time will come. They are fearful just by the presence of Christ. 
They know who he is. They know he's the son of God. And their greatest fear is that they are going to be tormented before the appointed time. And for them to be tormented is not, it's twofold. One, it's not to be allowed anymore to torment us. It's funny, isn't it? Because we see the temptations that we have to struggle against and the attacks that we have to face in this world from from the evil one, we see that as torment. On the flip side of that, though, the demons see it as complete torment not being able to do that to us because they derive extreme pleasure in getting us to fall. Don't think for a moment that the slightest thing, whether it's a simple lie that comes out of the mouth or taking something that doesn't belong to us or or, uh, saying a foul word or judging someone or, or being sort of vindictive and argumentative, that the demons aren't jumping up and down and rejoicing at that, at that moment. We can slough it off, right? Wasn't that bad? Wasn't a big deal? And we can just kind of shut it down. But don't, don't think for a moment that the, that the demons are not rejoicing at every little thing we do when we miss the mark, when we sin. Because they are certainly rejoicing. That brings them great pleasure. Great pleasure. It harms us, but it brings them great pleasure. So for them to be cast out now is a torment to them because they'll no longer be able to influence man on this earth and get him to fall and then to mock God saying, and they call themselves a Christian. So we have, we have that part of the scenario. We have the, the apostles who were afraid to approach the demoniacs. And they were also afraid of weather. They didn't know who Christ was, but the demons certainly knew that he was the son of God. The second thing that we have here, and there are many, many points we could bring out. After Christ had cast the, demon, the, the, the two demons into the herd of swine, and they rushed down the bank, and they went into the sea, and they drowned... The herdsmen went running into the city. And they told the people that some man came and freaked out all of our pigs, shot them down the hill, and killed them all. This is our livelihood. This is our income. This is your food. This man did this. They saw the miracle. They saw two men being made well. But they focused on something totally other. And so when the, when the entire city came out, because it says the entire city came out, what did they say? Lord, thank you for healing these two men who have been suffering for so long. They gave Jesus the finger. And I'm not talking about that finger. I'm talking about, it's like the empire says you're out. You're gone. Get out of our city. Before you mess up anything else, before you cause any more problems, Get out of here. Not, please come in and let us feed you. Let us feed you and your disciples. Let us take care of you for this wondrous miracle that you've performed. And so, we have to think about these two events because I really believe that we enact these very same things very, very often in life. And the two things were, one... We have this need, we, we need to begin to really see Christ in everything. Because the disciples and the people in the village failed in the very same way. They didn't see Christ for who he was. Only the demons did. How often do we miss seeing Christ in everything in life? If we define him as that precious pearl, why aren't we finding that precious pearl in every single thing in life? 
everything in life, even the things that we call tragic and difficult. It's easy to focus on all of the other things around it and to complain and to wonder, to ask questions, to doubt. But it's something totally other to, to just hone in constantly. And if you read, if you think about the, the writings of the fathers and especially are these beautiful contemporary elders that we have in our church today, when you read about their lives, look at how they focus in and they find the precious pearl in every person, in every situation, in every event whether it's to them or the world or their friend or whoever, they find the precious pearl. They find Christ. They grab onto light. They grab onto hope. They see meaning. No matter how, how, how crazy it is around them, they find that one thing. That is something that we really need to start doing in this life. That's going to take us conscious effort, and it's going to take God's grace and help, and we have to pray for that. So that's the first part. The second part is the peace that we need to acquire for our souls. And we see this illustration of Christ bringing peace first to the creation when he calmed the wind and the sea, and he brought calm. We also see in the demoniacs that once he exercised them and they were taken out, they had calm and peace. That same Lord can grant us that same calm and peace in here. We look to attain peace by controlling our external environments. Something has to be changed. A person has to be different. Uh, my, my car needs to look a certain way. My house, my friend, my, my, my doctor has to treat me a certain... We, we looked at all these things and if everybody would just get their act together, I would finally be at peace. But these people drive me crazy. They don't understand. Why do they have to be so difficult? Why do you have to be so impossible? Why does my health have to suffer? Why can't I have any peace? And we look at everything outside of ourselves to find that peace. Good luck. Because as long as you've been alive, I'd like to know if that's really worked for you. Because I know it hasn't worked in my life. The peace that we strive for is the peace from above. It's a petition. For the peace from above and for the salvation of our souls, let us pray to the Lord. And our Lord said, the peace that I give is not the peace that the world gives. The peace that Christ gives, once he gives it, 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 it has this ripple effect and it impacts everybody around us. And this is why St. Seraphim of Sarab, one of the most famous sayings was, acquire the spirit of peace, the peace from above, and a thousand souls around you will be saved. But if I'm just at peace because I'm seeing a beautiful sunset or I just feel like I'm in a good mood today and I got all my work done and everybody's happy and the kids are fed, that's worldly peace. And that's not going to last. That's not the peace that echoes outside of me into the world and changes people. So the peace that Christ brings to the world, even, even creation itself, is the exact same peace. This is what we strive for. And this can only happen through prayer through supplication, and through real intention on our part. Because the peace that we want is, is the peace that never, never goes away. It's that peace that, in the midst of calamity, we feel calm. When faced with persecution or slander, we feel calm. The whole world is building on this, right? Be calm and whatever, be calm and whatever, be calm. And, you know, these, we see this everywhere now. It's kind of funny in a sense, but it's very real too. So these are the two things. 
The first thing is that we want to find Christ in everything. Don't let the demons outdo you in finding Christ in all things. Don't say, why, this guy is such a pain. I don't know what to do. This, this, there's such a thorn in my side. I don't know when this situation is ever going to change. Okay? And these two things are connected. Because if we begin to find that pearl of great price in every person, every situation, and everything in life, guess what's going to happen? We're going to start acquiring the peace from above. That's the connection. Now, I don't know what you thought of when you heard the gospel reading this morning, but this is what I was thinking about last night and this morning. And it just sort of clicked and it makes sense. So let these two things, let these two things be on your lips and in your mind and on your thoughts as often as possible. Lord Jesus Christ, grant me to see you in all things, in all people, in every situation. And grant me the peace from above that comes from you. No other external peace. Don't allow me to search for peace in the world through having things my way. Having things fall into place so it's easier for me. But give me the peace that's from above. Because that will get me through everything and anything that life will have to throw at you. Amen.